Well, glory, are we missing somebody this morning? I wasn't supposed to have to preach again until after the first of the year, in case you're wondering. But Mr. Weatherman had another idea this morning. And Keith had to be in Toledo tomorrow, but he didn't think it would be good to leave after church today. He thought he'd better leave before you see the weather out there, right? So uh, we uh, believe it's safer and to use wisdom in situations, don't you? He thought it better that he get there before dark and icing and messy weather and stuff. So um, I guess y'all see who's here. So, yeah. Well, glory. Thank you. The Holy Ghost is here. That's who's here. And he'll help us and we'll do what we need to do. Well, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is... Um, We are looking at our building next door, and normally this time of year, like Nick, not this next week, but the next week, we regularly have our service team banquet. But I, in planning it and working with the other guys and everything, one of the places that we normally have it at was not available to us, and um, several things just kept not working out, and I really wanted to have it next door. So we thought about postponing it. How does that sound to you guys and having it next door? Yeah, does that sound okay? Okay. We don't want to not have it, and, and we kept trying to bring it down and, and, lack of a better word, degrade it. You know, so that we could keep food hot and we could do this and we could do that. And it just kept getting cheaper and lower and cheaper and lower in order to make it happen. And I just wasn't for that. So uh, we decided we'd just put it off and do it upright and do it proper and do it the right way, the way God intends for us to do things with excellence around here. So is that okay with you guys? Yeah, I think so too. And it'll be better for everybody to do it then. Sometimes Christmas is not the best time to try to do everything anyway. So we'll do it then. Well, I had something on my heart that came up yesterday as I was praying about what we wanted to do this morning, and it just thrills me to be able to talk about it because it's something that is something that we're all supposed to do, and uh, I know the little ones have left, but we could have kept them in here, and we think about it late every time because so many times it's things that we deal with every single day. And it's something that we use this word every single day, and they sang about it. But I think it has to be one of the hardest things that we have to do, and it's love. It's a word that we use. I mean, we we just throw it out there, and we say it, and we use it casually, and we use it romantically, and we use it fun, and we use it silly, and we use it... Uh, strong, and we always tell other people they're supposed to do it. We don't forget that part. But in reality, it is probably one of the hardest things that Christians or people seem to have a problem with, is loving. And why would that be? It's real simple. It's not complicated. Because if the devil can keep you out of love, he can keep you from being blessed. He can keep you from all the wonderful things happening in your life. It is the great commandment. That's it. And we're confused about it. It's so funny that 
so many times when we're deciding about what we need to talk about, Dave doesn't have a clue about what I'm going to talk about, but I thought that was the cutest thing that he said about Ramsey in love. Because it's so easy with love to see people differently than what you think that they are. Like, for instance, all this stuff that's going on, if um, these people that have done all this stuff to these ministries, that we've, we've talked about it so much that you don't even hardly want to bring it up anymore, but if you messed up, say, really, really bad, say you did something really, really dumb one day, I told this to one of our staff, you know, it just, it just reminded me of this one day, you really blew it big time. And you went home and you thought, oh, God, how could I be so dumb? You ever had one of those days? And you thought, tomorrow morning, I'm going to fix this. You went to bed that night and you thought, tomorrow morning, first thing when I get up, I'm going to fix that. Anybody ever had one of those days? But tomorrow morning, before you could fix that, it was all over the news and in every newspaper all over the world. What about it? Would that be bad or what? That would be bad, wouldn't it? And that's not love. But that's what happens so many times to those that are up in front of people. It happens. Maybe they did make a mistake. Maybe they did. I don't know if they did or not. I'm not their judge. I know that much. Because I know I've laid in bed a many a night and say, Oh, God, why did I do that? Have mercy. Let me fix it. First thing, maybe I can call them now. Maybe they're not in the bed. You ever done it? Oh. Like Dave on that gift. I thought... How many trillion times do you wish you could go back and fix that so those people wouldn't be... Something as simple as a little child's gift can mess up mega relationships because what does it do? Not only did that little small thing that he said, oh, we don't have to buy a gift, you're not going to the party, cause a problem... Between him and her, oh, but what did it do? It started a chain reaction. She went and told her friends, and then she went and told her parents, and then she went and told her parents, and then she went and told her parents. She went and told her parents, and if they were in a church, oh, dear me. Oh, my. How many people thought Dave Vaughn had sinned and gone to hell because he didn't buy that child a gift? He had backslidden. Because Ramsey didn't buy that baby a gift. And by the time you hear about it, how big is it? How blown out of proportion can it be? Because they didn't buy a gift. Now, you've never done anything like that, I know. Because your money was tight and you thought it's not that big a deal and we just won't buy a gift. You stay home. 
But by the time it gets back to the parents, it's humongous. You don't like my child. You hate my child. You wouldn't let her come to the birthday party because you don't like our religion and you didn't like me and you didn't smile at me. And and uh, what all could it be? has nothing to do with the children. Kim was rude to the mother and, and uh, she didn't like the outfit that she wore to church and she didn't cut her hair just right. The whole thing just gets blown out of proportion. I was just sitting there thinking about the whole thing of, of love. But we've lost so much of that. And then he started on Luke. And I thought, okay, God, let's go. So turn back to Luke. And look at verse 31. In the King James. And then we'll look at a couple of different translations on some other stuff. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them that love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love them, love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also even do the same. Now let me read you verse 32 from a couple of different translations. The New Living. If you love those who love you, Why should you get credit for that? I didn't write it. And in my Bible, it's in red. Is it in red in yours? What does that mean? Yeah, it trumps everything. If you love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. You ever seen sinners? You ever been one? Okay, go back to that day when you were a sinner and somebody loved you. Was it easy to love them? Sure. Sure. It's not difficult to love somebody that's always loving on you. Let's read from the Weymouth. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Why even bad men love those who love them? I mean, you even see gangs and stuff. People in prison. That's, I mean, killers. That don't love anybody. Say people don't love them. They love people that love them. The Message Bible. And I thought this was sweet. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? (laughs) Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. What does all that mean? 
In Matthew, we were given a commandment. What was it? We had the Ten Commandments. How many of you could still possibly quote the Ten Commandments or get close to it, kind of? Yeah, if he kind of still quote them. But those were kind of done away with, and we were given two, really. Love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've had some fun neighbors sometime. How many of y'all had some fun neighbors? They can make it tough to love them. I mean, they can make it real fun. I remember one of our neighbors, I know it was tough for Keith. It didn't really bother me. We loved them. We really did. But they had some boys, and Keith got a new Corvette. And uh, the boys like paintball. You got it. And uh, they also got some new BB guns. They did target practice on every light pole we had around the house. But we still loved them. But sometimes it can be tough. Love is not... Mushy gushy. And we're confused about it. Let's read what love is. We've all read it. First Corinthians thirteen, everybody should already turn there. When you say what love is, love suffers long. So I guess no matter how many paintballs hit the car or the house or how many BB shots hit, you just suffer long, right? Hey, what's more important? Cars? People. We never had a problem with those neighbors. We'd come back, we'd be gone for days at a time. We had a tennis court and a swimming pool and they thought it was theirs. We shared. Not by choice. Love, charity, suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not, it vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not at iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, you all know the Amplified. Let's read it. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. I can't read that without thinking about the youth. 
we enjoy it so much. Every time somebody gets something new, we make them strut. (laughs) And if they don't do it good enough, we make them redo it. It's not conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best uh-oh, of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Now, how many times have you read that? Lots. How many of you can say you've read it over probably 20 times? Over 50 times? Let's read the Message Bible. Love never gives up. Never is a long time. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love looks for the best and never looks back. Love keeps going to the end and love never dies. Now, I know Keith and I traveled and were with the Hagans, gosh, 20 years plus. And when we first started with them, the Lord told us something, told Keith something. And in the beginning, it seemed like, Lord, why would you tell us this? They're perfect. Why would we need to hear this? And he said, watch, learn, and don't judge. Now, why would the Lord tell us that? Because he knew what the future would hold. How many of you have been to somebody's house to eat dinner and they set the table differently than you do? Or they cook something different? Have you ever heard, don't put two cooks in the same kitchen? Why is that? 
Because everybody does something different. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Does that mean that their way is 100% right and your way is 100% wrong? Absolutely not. It just means they have a way that the Lord has directed them to do it and you have a way that the Lord has directed you to do it. Does that mean that you have kids and you raise your kids a certain way and God has dealt with you to raise your kids that way and God has dealt with them to raise their kids this way and God has dealt with them to raise their kids this way? Does that mean all three of you are wrong because you're all three raising them different ways? Now, Mo's got his hair fixed this way. And let's see, Jim's is this way. Let's see, Todd's is kind of the same way as Moe's. I'm trying to think. They're all, Jack's is kind of the same way. That's why I didn't call on him to start with. But everybody's is different. Gaines is different. They're all kind of different hairdos going on here. Does that make one of them right and one of them wrong? What's to say his way is right, his way is wrong, his way is right, and his way is wrong? Do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? I'm making it real simple on simple things. But it's the same way in every area of our life. So many times the reason people don't walk in love is because they see things differently. I know it has been the funniest thing redoing this building. I have stood back sometime and just had to go someplace and get quiet and just absolutely laugh out loud. Because we have had so many different people that build houses and do construction. Go ahead, laugh. It's funny. Because this one does it this way, 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 that one does it that way. And they all have their own unique way of doing things. Now, does that make Dan right over Rob, or Rob right over Dwayne, or Dwayne right over Josh, or Josh right over the other Josh, or or Jim right over... I have watched them all, and they're all excellent, excellent at doing construction. And they all work really well together. But does that make one of them right over the other one? Now, do you think that could be a real great cause for strife? We've had none. We've had none. But why is that? Love. They all made a choice. And I guarantee you it was a choice many a day when you were here till midnight and one in the morning. It's a choice. Many a day I would see them have to stand up and walk away and just go take a break. 
many a day. They'd come back. They were walking in love. Did it mean that their flesh didn't feel something? Did it mean that they didn't have feelings, that they were doing it wrong? Many a day, Rob, Jim, Dwayne, many a day your flesh is going to feel something. It, that's flesh. Doesn't mean that one of them was doing it wrong. Every one of them runs their own company. Now, does that make it harder? You got people you can tell to do stuff all day long. And they'll do exactly what you tell to do. But it takes maturity. Say that after me. Maturity. It takes mature men of God to be able to work for week after week after week after week in each other's face, night after night, day after day, and do that sort of thing on time frames and pressure and have no blowouts and walk in love. The title of my message this morning is Love Led by the Holy Ghost. And I want to go, what is it called? An acronym or a, what is it? That what L. I did real good in school. Yeah. L. We'll spell out love. L. The first one for the L is listen. Listen with love. 98% of the time, when you're dealing with people, like say for instance, we have kids in the children's classes, and they're big fun. Like I've told you before, I'd rather go in there and deal with the kids than stay out here. But you get called out every once in a while, and you'll have some that are Climbing the walls are spastic and they're new to this stuff. They've never been in church in their lifetimes. And they're expected to sit in a chair and do things that the other kids are doing. And some of them have never had a Christian environment in their lives. And we've had some over the years that have been fun. And um, so I'll go in there. And uh, I remember these two boys not long after we started the church. They were fun. And uh, we had to get, well, I did many a day, many a Sunday, many a Friday, get underneath tables and chairs with them. And they were mean. And they'd kick you. And they'd bite you. And they'd scratch you. And they'd do anything they were big enough to do to you. But I didn't listen to what they were saying with my head. I listened to what they were saying with my heart. I remember when we were in the other building, we went to another child. We had, what is that little cub 
thing that we have with the little body on the back of it? It's not, no, it's not the cub. It's the little tractor thing, the green John Deere thing. It, and uh, it had the bed on it. And uh, he and I laid in the tape room underneath the floor, on the floor for an hour, talking. And you'd ask him what was wrong with him. And he'd say nothing, and he'd kick or he'd spit. And you wouldn't ask him what was wrong with him to start with. You'd just sit there and talk to him, ask him what was going on, what was his favorite toy, what was his favorite this. It took me probably 30 minutes to figure out how we were going to get across to him. The Holy Ghost gave me an idea. I started listening. And I told him. I said, if you'll... Behave in your classes, and we don't have to come down here. I'll let you drive this. And he looked at me and he said, but I'll run slap over somebody. (laughs) He did. But the funny thing was, for the next weeks after weeks after weeks, we did not have to correct him about anything. Somebody believed in him. He said, I can't do that. I can't drive this. But we began to find out he had no place to live. He was dumped at somebody's doorstep. This was happening in his life. This was happening in his life. He was taking this. This one was taking that. This one was... And you begin to find out things in these kids' life that make them the way that they are. And if you just go in there and you just take them and throw them in a chair and discipline them because they're misbehaving... You've missed the mark. Same thing with the youth. There's been many a youth that's acted out. That's been ballistic. I've had them come and apologize. Tell me things. Shock some of you. Because of the reasons that they did. Do you think that changes when you become an adult? I think not. I think that unless it's dealt with in your life, that the same thing that I dealt with with people that were children, people that came up to be youth, the very same things we deal with in people that are adults. They'll come sit in the office and we'll talk to them. And they say, we're leaving because of this. And all the while, you're checking on the inside, seeing what it is. And all the while, it has something to do with love. Love. They didn't feel loved. In some fashion or another... They didn't feel loved. Love is a very powerful thing. And people need to get it from someone. And so many times, people are seeking it so strongly that they're not giving it to anyone. They're craving it from everybody. They're seeking it from everybody that they've been doing that for so long that they've forgotten that it's something that they are supposed to do. 
You must listen to people with your heart and not with your head. For instance, husbands and wives. Your husband comes in and he's upset and he's mad and things didn't are funny and he jumps on you about something and he don't want to talk to you and you got to talk to him about something and he don't have time for you. He just turns the TV on. Could that be a symptom of? Maybe things didn't go so well at work today. Maybe he had a bad day at work today and he didn't want to tell you about it. Maybe he wants some respect from you and some love from you and maybe... In the past, you hadn't been so understanding. Maybe the answer he'd get from you would be, uh, well, I told you if you wouldn't act that way, they wouldn't treat you that way. Maybe hadn't been so easy to talk about. Or the other way around. Maybe the wife. Maybe you ask her what's going on and she says, I don't feel good. You know, your husband's, your wife ever told you she didn't feel good? Listen how quiet it is in here. (laughs) My, if we dropped a pin on this carpet, I think you could hear it. Your wives ever say, I don't feel good? Maybe they work at... A hair salon. Maybe they work at the front desk of a hotel. Maybe they work at a restaurant. And maybe every other person that came in today felt it was their duty to chew them out. And they just don't want to deal with it anymore today. Maybe every phone call they made, that person felt like it's chew on them day. And they just don't want anymore. Maybe the same thing from the man. And they just want to be quiet. What will love do? Pressure that person into talking about what they don't want to talk about? Or be the mature one? And... Start talking about something happy. Start talking about something fun. Start talking about the thing that you know makes them happy. Hey, it doesn't take me long. If I know things are going on with Keith and I know there's things that he's having to deal with and I know it's a rare thing for something to bother Keith. I think in all the years that Dave has known Keith, he's only seen him upset one time and it was just a few weeks ago. He said, Brother Moore was upset. He didn't like it when somebody attacked Brother Kenneth, and he didn't like it when somebody attacked ORU. He didn't care for that at all. I'll just be honest with you. He didn't care for that. So what did I do? Did I go in and start saying, well, what do you think about this? What do you, what do you, no. He was already plenty upset about it. I started saying, 
Tell me about the airplane. Tell me about the things that you need to do. Tell me about what's going on with it. Tell me about how fast you went on the last trip. You think I want to know? You think I hadn't heard? The mature one. Now, the immature one has to know. They have to know what's going on with that person. They got a have to know mentality. But if you're mature, you'll let them tell you in their own time, in their own way, when they've settled it in their own heart. When they've dealt with it. Now, I'm not talking about that they've gone out and had an affair and you're having to deal with problems. I'm talking about just they've had a bad day at work and maybe their boss chewed on them or something. Or maybe the boss was having a bad day. Keith has had bosses that when he walked out the door, they kicked the dog and, and uh, slapped his wife and chewed him out. And no matter what you did, it wasn't right. And when he comes home, he don't want to talk about that. But the mature one that's led by the Holy Ghost will lay that aside and lay all your problems of the day aside. And I probably had a few going that day. I probably had a few challenges that day. I probably had worked till 9 o'clock that day, come in. But the mature one will love. And what did it say? Not think about, isn't always me first. The same with your teens. That's what happens so many times with parents and teens. They sense there's something going on with them. Because they're changing. Did you change as a teen? Did you share everything with your parents as a teen? Everybody in here shared everything with their parents as a teen, right? You spilled your guts about everything going on in your life as a teenager, right? Not. I'm not saying you should let them hide everything from you. But they are another person. And they have a right to thoughts of their own. And if you won't pressure them, they will tell you. But you got to respect them. Same with your little ones. Be led by the Holy Ghost as to when and where to talk to people. Listen to what they're telling you. That's the L. Listen. Listen to your heart. Listen to what they're saying. It's like here so many times. 
people are listening, but they're oftentimes listening to the wrong thing. Like, say I give one employee a raise. They've learned they would never do this, so I, I wouldn't. We've got the world's best employees. I don't mind anybody knowing that, every, every one of them. But say this happened, and I gave one of them a, a raise, or you did to your employees, and you didn't give the other employee a raise. But all the while, you had in mind, I'm not going to give them a raise, but I know, and they don't know this, but I know, say Maggie's got her own real estate company, okay? So Maggie knows I'm going to give this person a raise, but I know this person's thinking about leaving. So I'm not going to give this person a raise, but when this person leaves, I'm going to give them their job. But it's, on, it's going to be three months down the road. What would that look like to the person that didn't get the raise? Look like you didn't love them. Look like you didn't care about them. What does it take to live for God? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And that's what you must differentiate between living for the world and living for God. And that's what we as Christians have forgotten. God does promote people. He promotes them every day. But it's based upon your faith. And oftentimes... It doesn't come the way that you're thinking and you have to pass test in those things. And you may be on your job and you may be thinking, well, they got a raise and I didn't. I'm quitting. And all the while, your boss is thinking, they're really a better employee and I know that in a month and a half, this person is quitting and I'm going to give them a promotion. I'm going to put them head over this whole department. But does he feel the need to tell you that three months in advance? What if you quit? You ever seen people do that? How many of you be honest and say they've seen people do that? Step out before the, oh, happens all, it happens in this church every week almost. We hear about it. This one's supposed to get this job. This one's supposed to get this raise. This one's supposed to get this promotion. And because of this, it doesn't happen. So listen with your heart and not with your head. Because if you're listening with your head, you'll miss it. So when that person gets that raise and the Holy Ghost says, sit steady. Don't move. Don't be moved by what you hear. Don't be moved by what you see. Love will just sit still. Love will think the best of them. You don't know. You don't know God's plan. You can't see it all. Love will trust the Holy Ghost. Love being led by the Holy Ghost. 
trusting him that he knows. L. And the next one goes right along with it. O. Being observant. That goes, don't you think being observant goes right along with that? But when the Holy Ghost gave me this this morning, I thought, you are so funny, Holy Ghost. I thought of this and I thought, how true this is. I thought, I'm sitting there putting on my makeup and the Holy Ghost talks to me all the time when I'm putting on my makeup. I don't know why, but he just does. You may be different, but that's when he talks to me. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about my sermon this morning and I'm thinking about what I need to do and stuff. And I'm thinking about the way the devil works and being observant. And I thought about this scenario. I thought about, say somebody comes up to Mo and Sharon and they say, Brother Mo, I need a ride today. Can you please take me to this place? And he says, I'm so sorry, I can't do it. Well, you got plenty of room in your van. Come on, take me. There's nothing. You don't have nobody else in there with you. Just It's just right across here. Take me with you. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't do it today. Well, it's just, you know, it, just take me straight across to International House of Pancakes. That's all I want to go. Just take me straight there. And Mo says, I'm sorry, I love you, but I can't do it. He says, man, your van is empty. Why can't you take me? He says, I just can't do it. He walks off. He goes to Jim. This person says, Mo is just mean. I just asked him to just run me straight across the street. Jim says, oh, I'll take you, man. Not a deal. I don't know what's gotten into that Mo. I, I tried, asked him to do something for me the other day, and he wouldn't do it. Then this guy goes around and tells everybody, Mo is, I don't know, he's just got hard. He's just got so hard. I asked him just to run me across the street. It wouldn't have got, I told him I'd give him $20 just to run me across the street to IHOP. And he wouldn't do it. Now, what this man might not know, well, and then, then he sees him driving out of the parking lot. And he's making these big curves, swinging his van around. Real big curves and coming around. He says, man, I don't want to ride with him anyway. He's a bad driver. Glad I didn't get in the van with him. Jeez, bad driver. I didn't know he drove that bad. Good thing I could have got killed in the van with him. Bad driver. What this man might not know is Mo, Sharon had only two seats available. They had their van packed out with flowers and things headed to a funeral as soon as they were leaving here or heading to a hospital call that we told them to do and that nobody was supposed to know about. Nobody was supposed to know that they were going because this person asked us, please, don't tell anybody I'm having this surgery. 
The only person you can tell is them. The reason he's making the big curves is because he don't want to spill the flowers. He's not a bad driver. The reason he can't have him get in the van with him, there's no room. Would that look like a bad scenario? Would it look like he's being mean? Can things appear differently than actually what they are? What about you in your life? You ever had little ones? And um, they were little and they didn't understand. Daddy lost his job. Mama lost her job. We're about to lose the house. So we're having to pack up and move. They don't want to move. They like their school. They like where they are. But you're having to move. They tell you they hate you. Are you doing that to hurt them? Are you doing that to help them? Do they see that? Do they see the big picture? Can you explain it to them when they're three and four years old? Can you explain it to them when they're six years old? Do they still hate you? Or think they hate you? Are there things that parents know that kids don't? Can you always explain everything to them? Can they always see the big picture in everything? There's no way. You could try for a year to explain to your children why you were having to move them from all their friends. But would they understand it? We just have to move, honey. We just have to. Daddy's Daddy's taking this job. You're not going to tell them we lost our house and our cars and everything that we've got. All the while, you're still trying to provide for them. And be a good father. But they don't understand that. Be observant. That's what love is. You may not know everything that's going on around you with the people around you. But be mature enough to say... I may not know everything that's going on with them. Most people are of all things guarded. Most people live a facade to other people. I have yet, in all the years of ministry that we've been in, To have a person come sit in our office and first off the bat without having to ask the Holy Ghost. Every time, Dave's been with us how many years now, Dave? Six years, right? They tell me it's this 
And I have to pray and ask the Holy Ghost what the situation is. Is it right every time? They don't want you to know the truth of why they're hurting. You have to be observant enough and mature enough to realize they might have some hurts too. And it's not just you that might have some hurts. It's not just you that might be going through something. And if you are a mature Christian, you're not going to come in here and say, Jack's not going to come in here and say, if I don't have money today, I can't feed my family. If he's got any faith about him whatsoever. But yet and still, he might snap at Mo, And not mean to. But he might have just a teeny bit of pressure if he knows he's about to lose his house and his car and his business. Right? So what might you do as a Christian? Y'all hear? What would you want the same for him to do for you? Cut him a little slack, Right? The same that you'd want somebody to do for you, you're supposed to do what? Do the same for them. Or, Maggie might not come in here and tell you today, I just got diagnosed with cancer yesterday. She didn't, but she might not come in here and tell you that today. What do you think she'd do? But she also might... Something wasn't quite right. She might be short with somebody before she realized it. Why might she do that? Because there's something back here in the back of her mind, no matter how hard she tries to get it out, it's still back there. Because there's a mean devil. And you know what? We still have flesh and we're not perfect. And if you've never snapped at anybody in your lifetime, let you without the first stones, without the first sin, stand up. Never sin, never snapped at anybody, stand up. Wait. I don't see anybody. So what that might do is have you to have a tendency to cut somebody else a little slack. Because they might be going through something. So be observant of the people around you. They're people. They're a lot like you. They have to get up every day and deal with people they don't want to deal with. They have to get up every day and pay bills that they don't want to pay. They have to get up every day and most likely deal with kids that do something crazy. And deal with bosses that do something crazy. Not me. I'm a good boss. I mean, I, I had somebody the other day tell me I was the most disorganized person and most, uh, let's see, what did they say? I didn't know how to manage anybody. I was a micromanager. And then in the next sentence they told me, they said, uh, uh, you micromanage everything. You know everything. And I thought... 
Okay? And then the next, this went on for like an hour and a half. And then the next sentence they said, I didn't get with them. (laughs) You know, I have to be in on everything, but I didn't get with them. Which am I? (laughs) You know? So, um, but I bet you a lot of these people that have their finances and ministries, they've all called me and said, stay in the middle of it. You know, just the opposite. So, you got to do what the Lord tells you to do for your stuff. So, and you can't let anything anybody tells you to do. No, then somebody else tells me um, that uh, we have cliques in the church. So I said, okay, what would you have me do? I know what I'll do. I'll get up there. And I'll tell Jack he can no longer be friends with Mo. This week he's got to go and hang out with Jim. And then I'll tell Rob he can't be friends with Jim anymore. He's got to go and hang out with uh, Michael. And then I'll tell, I said, we'll just stand up there and take the whole service and do that from now on. How about that? <laughs> Y'all want to do that? You know, so you can't please everybody. But what you can do, it's the same as the heating and cooling. It's exactly the same thing. You got to do what the Lord tells you to do and trust God to deal with them. That's it. And we just preach the word and trust God to do what he wants to do with the rest of it and love on people. But what I'm telling you is the person that's sitting next to you is facing the same dilemmas and situations that you're facing. So love on them, okay? So be observant. The next thing that you've got to deal with is the V letter. Anybody got a clue what that might mean? Valuable. Valuable. Does anybody remember when their baby was born? I didn't have a child myself, but I know I was with a girl when my sister adopted, and we took her to the hospital for months and had all of her checkups and stuff, and she adopted it, and we brought her home from the hospital and had her for weeks and weeks. And I was there, and I gave her her first bottle and gave her her first bath and did all these things for her. And I'll never forget the moment she was born. I thought, God, how can that happen? What a valuable and precious thing. How many of you parents thought that when your children were born? Just so valuable. Well, when they get 16, do they become unvaluable? (laughs) Or 18 or 21? What, What age is it that they become unvaluable? Is there a certain age that they lose their value? Or or do they depreciate like houses and cars? (laughs) Yeah, trade them in so that they get... You know, or your husband or your wife. You married them. On your first few dates and stuff. You thought they were valuable. And if anybody were to say anything about them, they had had it because they were valuable. Very, very valuable. And even then, even then, your in-laws. 
right? When you were dating, you were in love with your in-laws. When did they lose their value? Some of you are laughing a little too hard on that one. Parents, when you were younger, little, we were talking about this the other day with somebody, you'd cuddle in their lap, but then somewhere along the line, they lost their value. Where does that happen? Where do we set that? Time frame of value. And when do we decide people are no longer valuable to us? And who sets it for us? People are valuable. And oftentimes we lose sight of people's value over things' value. We're fighting to get the dollar and forgetting about the people. There's so many kids today growing up without their parents because their parents have forgotten about believing God for finances. So they're fighting their jobs 24-7 and spending no time with their kids. So the kids are growing up without parents so that they can give them everything when I think they'd be better off with their parents and without nothing. Because kids need their parents. People have oftentimes asked Keith and I, why don't you have kids? You got something against kids? Ramsey asks us that all the time. Why don't you have kids? She's the only one bold enough. She's like me. We think we're made out of the same mold somehow. We think. But anyway, the reason I never had kids was because I thought, if I have kids, they're my responsibility and I need to raise them. And I haven't quite found the time to do that. They're not somebody else's responsibility. I need to be a part of their life. They're valuable. But parents, when your kids get older, they are valuable. I was just talking with somebody the other day. I I was sitting there, and we were in a situation that required sitting and waiting for a long period of time. And we were talking about some other friends of ours. And... They were explaining to me, this person, one of the people in the couple, had had severe health problems. I mean, had had surgeries and had almost died. And I mean, it was severe for years. And we had believed God with them for years and years. And they told them, I was asking how they were doing, and they said, they told us that through all of that and all the heartache that they went through with that, 
that didn't bother them as bad as the last situation where their parents attacked them on some things and talked about them and put them down to other people. Now, family is the closest thing that you have. There's blood family and there's spirit family. Some people are closer to their spirit family than they are their blood family. But that doesn't mean it's okay to talk about your blood family. Doesn't mean it's okay to talk about anybody. But on the flip side, parents and children it seems like in today's society, have lost the value for each other. And somehow, that love can come back. It's more of a requirement thing than a love thing. And you need to look at the the situation about... You're respecting them and them respecting you and get the value back in those situations. Same with children. They respect you as much as you respect them. Little ones. Big ones. Did I lose some of you? It's Christmas time. Some of you may need to call some of your parents that haven't had relationships with them doesn't mean they can tell you what to do if you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years old. But doesn't mean you need to hate them either. You can still pick up the phone. Doesn't mean you have to wait on them hand and foot. You still need to be led. Some parents require that their children spend 24-7 with them. Didn't say you needed to do that. You do still need to value them and love them. Okay? You want the E? Be an encourager. How do you be an encourager? Any of you know any encouragers? Can you be an encourager in your marriage? Who is the encourager in your marriage? One person raised their hand. Thank you. There should be encouragers. You should be encouraging each other all the time. I know Karen, I think it was, that asked me one of the first times I spoke. She said, uh, aren't you afraid to get up in front of Brother Moore? She did. It was one of the first times she ever heard me speak. And, and then the other day we were talking about it again about something. And uh, I said, you know what? He is my greatest fan. He is my greatest encourager. He has believed in me when nobody else in the whole world believed in me. He's believed in me. 
He encourages me. He tells me how wonderful. Last night, we're talking. He said, what you thinking about? And then we're talking about it. That sounds great. That sounds wonderful. It could have been horrible. <laughs> and he just said it was wonderful. He is my greatest encourager. Now, if I do something wrong, he'll tell me. But on the other side, he's my greatest encourager. Now, we don't have this fake, phony relationship. He requires things of me. How many of you were here the night of week of increase when he said, don't text anymore? So you weren't here, so you missed it. (laughs) Me and Dave were here for sure. You think I do things my way around here. you got a big thing coming. Um, I get orders from headquarters. I like encouragers. I like people that when people are down or when they're struggling... You can bring them up. I mean, if they've been attacked with something, it's like we've got readers that go in and read to people when they're sick. If they can't make it to healing school, if they just are totally bedridden now. And if you have someone that goes in there and reads to them and they say, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Jesus took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. He wants you well. You can be healed. I believe you can be healed. God wants you well. What do you think that person's going to think? You think they're going to just jump up? But if you get somebody that believes what they're saying, and they go in there, and they read it with faith, and they read it with belief... And they go in there and they've been healed theirself. And they say, I know God wants you well. He's healed me by his stripes. You're healed. You can be healed today. You can come up off that bed. You don't have to be this way. Jesus is your healer. Is there a difference? What if you're broke? So Jack's broke. We already discussed. He came in. No, he's not broke. He's prosperous. And see, before the day's over, y'all should all just bundle him up with money, see? He comes in here. And he's like this. Man, I could use some extra money today. And Jim says, you know what? I'm kind of broke too. Let's just go out of here and be broke together. How's that going to help him? Or even if he says, well, Jesus was made poor so we could be rich. I know he wants us prosperous. One day maybe we'll get there if we just hang in. If we don't quit, we'll get there. No! No, no, no! Then you get somebody else come up to him. 
And they say, Jesus was made poor, Jack, so you can be rich. You don't have to be poor no more. Today is your victory day. You've sown. You can reap. You can be prosperous today. It's broken. Did you sow? Yes, you sowed. You can have it today. It's yours. You can get that new house. You can get that new car. You're coming out of debt. It's broken. Those things over your life are gone forever. Which person you think he's going to want to go home with? <laughs> go to lunch with? And it doesn't matter how you feel. You can be an encourager. That's right. Because you start talking like an encourager, you'll start feeling like an encourager. Yeah. It'll come on you on the inside. It'll make you feel better on the inside. You can be that person. What does love do? Go back to this one thing. Isn't always me first. Is not always having to think about what I need first. Isn't always trying to think about, well, I've got bills, I've got kids, I need this. But if every person in this room stopped and thought, well, you know what? They're probably going through this. I don't know those people. But you know what? I bet you they probably could have the same things I've got. They could probably have the situations they're going through just like I'm going. They may not be going through it today, but... Let me just go and encourage them and tell them, your hair looks nice today. Your makeup looks nice today. Find something. You've heard Keith tell the story about the guy that was just mean as the devil. You remember that story? Mean as the devil. And they were having his funeral. Remember that? His casket's laying up there at the front. And there was this one person in town that never said anything bad about anybody. And they thought, what is he going to say about him? Because he never said anything bad. And he walked past him. He said, he's got to be one of the world's best whistlers I ever heard. What does love do when it hears something bad about another person? What does it do? Back to this gift. That Dave talked about in the offering. Say they didn't buy the gift and say you heard about it and say that it was a bad deal. What does love do? Nobody knows. You know, the devil cannot get into your home. He cannot get into your business. He cannot get into your car. He cannot get into your kids. He cannot get into your family. He cannot get into this church except for one way. Otherwise, he's like standing outside a wall looking in. There's one way he can get in. Is if we start talking about each other. And that's what would happen in this situation. That mother got upset because they didn't get a gift. She told somebody else. They told somebody else. 
by the time it got all the way around, they were scum. And that's what happens in so many situations. Maybe you did miss it. Maybe you did mess up. Maybe you were snappy with somebody. Maybe you did say something short. But maybe also you just had a bad day or maybe also you just got a bad report or maybe also you just got up on the wrong side of the bed or wore the wrong shoes that are too tight. I don't know. But cut some people some slack. You might want some slack cut. Do unto others. My last verse I want to read you is John 13, 34. And I think this is the most important thing. If I've said anything this morning, this is the most important thing. Maybe you've had an usher say something the wrong way that you didn't like it. Don't slap them. Or trip them. Walk in love with them. Maybe you've had somebody on your team not be just exactly the way you want to be. I wonder if we... I mean, people think they know Keith and I because we're up here in front of them all the time. And they've heard us tell stories and stuff. But I wonder if we went into everybody's house and thought... They, some, one of the youth said that the other night. You know, uh, they were preaching a sermon. And uh, it was the title of it was, Somebody's Watching You. And uh, you may not know it, but somebody's watching it. And he wound up by saying, what if Mrs. Moore followed you around all day long? How would you act? And it was cute to them. But what if somebody followed you around with a video camera all day long? Or followed you around and criticized everything you did all day long? How would you come out? Think about it. Would you do everything right? Maybe in your own eyes, but what about their eyes? It's like he says, when you ask what kind of husband are you, you should probably ask your wife. What kind of wife are you? You should probably ask your husband. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. Now, is a commandment something important? This is in red letters in my Bible. So that means it trumps everything. It's Jesus talking to us. That means it's kind of important, right? How many in here call yourself a Christian? This love thing can be tougher than it sounds, can it? I'm telling you. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Even if they're mean. It didn't put in there. Unless they're sweet to you. Unless they do everything right. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, do we expect Jesus to love us when we do something wrong? How many of you think Jesus is going to love you when you do something wrong? I know he's going to love me. 
But that's the way we're supposed to love one another. That you love one another also. But this is the most important part. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that they are my disciples. How is the world going to know that you are a disciple of Jesus's? What is a disciple? Follower of one's teachings. You teach the same thing they teach. You believe the same thing they believe. How are people going to know that you are Jesus's disciple? Because we judge everything that our brother and sister does and feel like we have a right. Because they're different than us. Go back to how that you cook soup. Is it going to be exactly the same way? Am I going to cook soup the same as her? Am I going to cook it the same as hers? Am I going to cook it the same as her? Am I going to cook it? No, we're all going to cook it a little bit different. Nobody's going to do it exactly the same. But does that make one more right than the other? Absolutely not. But what is going to be important is that we love one another through the... If the soup turns out bad, we still love each other. That we love one another. The New Living says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The message says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. So how will the world know? I know there was multitudes of times when we traveled with the Hagans. Oh, they are... As far as ministries and people go, perfect. Couldn't find anybody much more perfect. But would we have done things differently for our own ministry? Yes. Does that make theirs wrong? Absolutely not. So why would the Lord tell us to watch and learn and not judge? I worked at different doctor's offices. I managed before I got in the ministry. I was a consultant for doctor's offices. I made $1,000 a day. And I went in these doctor's offices and I told them how to straighten out their messes. Every single one of them that I went in, they were all good doctors or they couldn't have afforded to pay me $1,000 a day. Take my word for it. Every single one of them, every one of them did things differently. Did that make one of them bad and one of them good? Absolutely not. The reason I keep harping on that is because you've got to go back to the Holy Ghost. And what I told you about, you being led. Every person that you deal with 
Every person that you come in contact with. We are growing and being led. We shouldn't be staying at this babyhood stage of growing in the Holy Ghost. We should every day be maturing in our levels of growing in the Holy Ghost. And as we're doing that, God is going to require more of us. And as He does, there's going to be tests that we have to pass. Just like the test I said of this person getting a raise and nothing happening with this person. Well, they don't know. It's about their promotion time. But they have to pass this test. But how are they going to know that unless they walk in love with their boss? What does that take to do that? The Holy Ghost. Not listening to what's being said. Most people, no, I won't say most, a lot of people live from gossip to gossip to crisis to crisis. And unless they're talking bad about somebody, they don't have anything to say. We as Christians shouldn't be that way. We should be, unless we have something good in love to say about somebody, then we don't say anything at all. I know we around here, I know Dave and me and Rob, all of us around here, we have been super on our toes about that. We have just watched each other lately, and we've just, I mean, you remember that sermon Keith had? How many of you remember that sermon he did? Mm-hmm. Three of you, ten of you maybe, rest of you. We're sleeping, I guess. Anyway, he did a sermon about putting your hand over your mouth and guarding yourself. And we have been so cautious about if it's not 100% edification about a person, I don't care how close we think we're supposed to be watching situations or dealing with situations. If it's if that person, we couldn't say it directly. If I couldn't stand here with Ollie and I couldn't say something that would edify her, I'm not going to say it to them. And I don't care how much I'm supposed to be dealing with situations. Because why? Because what if Ollie walked up and misheard part of that conversation? And she thought I didn't care about her. What would that do to her? It would absolutely crush her. And she has been nothing but faithful to me. But what if she heard a half a sentence of that and and her name at the front and say unfaithful? Those two words. What would that do to her? Totally crush her. And I wouldn't even be talking about her. But to hear those two words in the same sentence? But there's no more more requirements on me or Dave or Rob or Rick than there would be on you. At your job, with your family, with your husband, with your wife, with your kids. Your kids, we were discussing this the other day, are standing up there in the balcony. And you can't see them. But we're standing up here and the praise and worship team are standing up here telling me the kids are worshiping more than the adults are. Well, the only problem I have with that is they're watching you.
And you are their example. You forget they're up there, but we see them. And if they hear you talking about somebody else, what tendencies are they going to have? Will that be love in their life? Will they have a tendency to go to school and talk about their friends? Will they have a tendency to go to school and pick up that and and cause strife with somebody or pick up talking about their grandma? They hear you talking about grandma all the time. Love doesn't do that. Love watches its words and it makes sure that everything it says, that if the person was standing right beside them, it would be an encourager to them. It would be in no way harmful or hurtful to them. And sure, every person in this room has made mistakes in this area. But as we're growing spiritually, we should be growing in these areas. And if you've got to take a piece of duct tape and put it across your mouth and say, I'm just not going to do it, because it'll hurt when you rip it off. I know when I was a little girl, I used to bite my fingernails. We, was ra- we were raised in Louisiana. So we had Louisiana hot sauce. You know what's coming next, right? My mama soaked the end of my fingernails with Louisiana hot sauce. I didn't bite them for too long. Then I, now I can eat hot stuff pretty good. <laughs> but do whatever it takes. Put you up some signs. Do whatever it takes to remind yourself this is not me. Romans talks about the things that you don't want to do, you do. But it also says, but thank God. There's somebody greater inside of us that can keep us from doing these things. Because whatever you want somebody to do to you, you do it to them. And it doesn't matter if it's the same person or not. I learned this a long time ago in ministry. I don't want people putting my name in the newspaper and talking about me bad things and saying things about me. So I don't talk about other ministers and I don't talk about other people. I don't have a habit of doing that. Because I don't want people talking about me. I don't want my name on the front page of the paper. And it's the same for you. You don't want people at your job talking about you behind your back? Don't talk about anybody else. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm just talking to my husband. Is he a person? Well, they need to fix this situation. We'll talk to God about it. Let God deal with them. That's what I don't understand about people. They think God ain't big enough to deal with situations. Duh. Did he change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What happened to Korah and Dathan? The earth opened up and swallowed them up. Not them, but you remember the story. I'll get them mixed up here. All the, all the people in the 
Bible, when God was ready to deal with situations, he could deal with them. Don't be the one that's sowing that seed. You sow what you want to reap. It works in finances. It works in, in words. It works in every area of your life. If you want people talking about you, you talk about them. If you want people loving on you, you love on other people. You be an encourager. All right? Stand up with me.